Hey, I'm Deepshika Sairam and you're listening to Haru Woman. Buck the system, live your truth. I believe that there is no one way Haru Woman and that every woman can and should decide what that means to her. We live in a broken patriarchal culture that has created systems and laws that have kept us chained to it for so long. It was created to keep us small. It has always told us how to live our life, how to love how much money we can make and even define our worth. And it's time to change that. It's time to redefine that. And many have. But I know that for every phenomenal woman that has stood up to patriarchy and broken the chains to live her truth, there are thousands of our sisters who are still very much chained. This podcast is for them. This is for each one of you who wants to redefine and rewrite Haru Woman. And I hope that the stories we tell here inspire you and give you courage so that you can buck the system and live your truth. Grab your rosé. It's officially Wednesday. And today we smash the patriarchy. Be sure to wear your headphones because this podcast is 100% uncensored. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to Hard Woman, Buck the System, Live Your Truth. Grab your rosé, my beautiful friends, because it is Wednesday and it's time to smash the patriarchy. Today, I am talking about leadership in women and how women of influence are bucking the patriarchal system to be the leaders they were born to be. And I'm talking to leadership coach for women of influence, Lisa Kuzman. Lisa shows women of influence how to keep enough bandwidth in reserve so they always have the capacity to unabashedly embrace each new level of success, turn curveballs into home runs, and stay grounded in what matters most. She draws from her 15 years of mental health experience as a clinical social worker and her trauma survivorship to provide education, training, and supervision for coaches who are committed to safe and ethical practice. A true advocate of coaching, Lisa is an excellent choice for continuing education and ongoing support. And today, Lisa and I talk about quite a few things, but tying everything back to the patriarchal system that we have around us and how that affects us in being a leader for our clients, in the workplace, and even being a leader in our families. Lisa will share her story of how she bucked the system and smashed the patriarchy, and we are opening this conversation so that we can find our true levels of success and embrace them beautifully. So let's dive in in this conversation. Hello, Lisa. Hey, Deep Shika. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Welcome to Haru Woman Season 1. I know I've been talking about this for so long with you. <laughs> yes, yes, we have, which has been so fun. I felt like I've gotten such a cool sneak peek behind the scenes uh, as you have developed and created it, which is amazing. I love that. And thank you so much for being a part of it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I am uh, thrilled about our conversation. I want to start by asking you, what is your Haru woman story? How have you bucked the system? 
Yeah. Oh gosh. I was thinking about that so much because I'm like, where does one start? Right. <laughs> and the more we think about this question of um, how to woman and how we buck the system, sometimes the things that we do don't feel like that much of a revolutionary act. Right. We just try to follow our heart and we try to fucking figure it out. And and so um, I, I have two really big, specific examples um, in my life. And of course, there's many others, right, which we may touch on. Um, but the very first one was I was raised essentially in a cult, um, <laughs> straight up. It's the best way to describe it. I always feel uncomfortable saying that. I have many family members who are still a part of this religion, um, but it's not a, a mainstream religion. And um, even though it's a spinoff of Christianity, it's like literally not a, it's a cult straight up, right? So I was raised in a cult. Um, and there, uh, the way I like to describe it is it was like a, a mix of Amish, Mennonite, and Mormonism. Right. And so like uh, the intersections of all of those things. And so I, I was raised around how I should dress, how I should wear my hair, no makeup, no tattoos, no jewelry. Um, clothing needed to be extremely modest. Only women could only do these things and not those things. Like I grew up playing softball in a dress, <laughs> you know, uh, like anyway. So, so I, I got to about 25 and I was in grad school. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, 25. So when I was in grad school, so when I got my master's degree in social work, I remember taking a spirituality and ethics class. And I took it on purpose because I was very conditioned that I was responsible to save the souls of the outsiders of our religion, right? And that that was something that I would have to like be held accountable for at the end of my life, like, you know, when it comes to do you go to heaven or hell? And that felt like a lot of pressure. And at the time, I was a nursing assistant on for hospice. And it's a very intimate experience being with people as they're dying. And people wanted to talk about their spirituality. And there's so many things that is a natural occurrence at the end of life around like, how do you, how do you make sense of the way you've lived with whatever you believed? Do you feel like you lived well enough to you know, go to the good place, whatever the good place is for your religion. And I was having these conversations and I always believed that anyone could make it to the proverbial heaven. Um, and it, you didn't have to be a part of my religion, but that's not what I was taught. So I wanted to take this spirituality and ethics class. It was really important to me that I like, I handled these conversations well and not through the lens of what I was taught. Um, and it just became very clear to me that there were so many elements about the way I was raised that just didn't fit. Um, but I was 25 when I had this revelation. And um, and so I decided to leave. And it was really devastating for many, many layers of my life. Like uh, in the snap of a fingers, I lost all my friends. I lost my entire church community, uh, and I lost a lot of connection with family members, extended family members. Um, and now over the course of time, those family members have um, become more comfortable with that, right? And so it's not necessarily a thing, but there was a lot of fear about the fact that I had left and like fear about whether or not I would try to get them to leave too, the whole sell your soul to the devil thing. So for me to honor 
the truth of that system didn't work for me meant that I had to burn the house down, essentially. And 25 years of your life is a long time. I mean, the definitive moment when I was like indicating to the world that I was out, I got my ears pierced at 25 Mm. (laughs) because you couldn't wear jewelry and to have piercings or like any of that. Um, And I was kind of, I was always a little naughty, like you weren't supposed to dye your hair. I dyed my hair. You weren't supposed to wear makeup. I wore a little bit, right? About as much as I Quiet (laughs) rebel. Yes. Yeah. So, so 25, I leave my church. It's a big deal. I really went through an identity crisis for a couple of years there. Like, oh my God, who am I? What do I really believe? What's right? What's wrong? Every single thing I had to resort through, right? So at 25, there's already like this thing about becoming an adult and separating from your family of origin. Um, so we're already doing that kind of anyway at that time. Um, and then I had this whole new layer. And then actually there was a lot of angst and stress around, I didn't know how to dress. Once the rules around what I could and couldn't wear and what that meant about me as a person went away, I had no idea how to dress or like, I didn't know what my personal style was. Uh, It took a long time to sort that. That was even very fascinating. So that was my first step. And then the second one was I realized um, my high school sweetheart was my first husband. Mm -hmm. So we started dating when I was 19 and we got married at 23 Mm -hmm. and, um, and our divorce was finalized when I was 29. And so we spent 10 years together and he is a lovely man and we had a good life. And after I left my church and grew up a little and started to be able to do the things that I needed that I kind of used to get from him, right? Where I stopped relying on him in certain ways and I was able to fulfill certain things within myself. I realized that my relationship just wasn't all the way right for me. Mm. There was nothing definitively wrong. We were like really good friends. I mean, we, I, we, after we got divorced, I stayed, I lived with him for three months after we got divorced and we still like slept together (laughs) for a long time after we got divorced and and we would hang out and like get beer and like, I would go anyway, it really blew everyone's mind because they were like, why are you not still married? (laughs) Right? Like, what is this about? And of course my ex was so gracious with me and we were able to really have beautiful closure in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had to honor the fact that I just wanted something more than I had. Mm. And in order to do that again, I had to burn it down to get there. Yeah. Um, And it was horrible. It was horrible. It was awful. It's like the biggest promise I'd ever made in my life. And I don't break my promises. And I I broke like the biggest one ever. It was awful. And 100% the thing that I needed to do to live, live the life that I really wanted to live and to get like to be me today. I, the only way to get here was through that. But Lisa, it's so beautiful as you were saying it, because how many of us can actually have the courage to follow that voice and follow that feeling that this just isn't right for us. And even though we love each other in a way, we are really good friends, but this is not going to be right for both of us. So it's better to end this right here than suffer 10, 20, 30 years later I don't think a lot of women have that courage. I do have to ask you, Lisa, was the decision or was the feeling, I would say, that 
there's something more for me in my life. Did that, everything, did, did it stem out of you stepping out of your family, stepping out of the cult? Mm. Mm. That's such a good question. I wouldn't have been able to leave my husband if I didn't leave the church. Mm. So leaving the church was really that first honoring of this doesn't work for me. Yeah. And even though it works for other people, and even though it's supposed to be the right thing, it doesn't fucking feel good to me. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then because I had done that and I had found a way to trust myself inside, mm-hmm. and I knew what it felt like to do something that was not acceptable, but right for me, mm. then later on, I think I was able to get to the point to where I was willing again to do the the hardest thing mm-hmm. to get where I really wanted and needed to be, right? Bucking mm-hmm. that system. Because when you buck the system, you are in for it. There yeah. is no, there is no like easy breezy way through through that sitch. Yeah, you're in it. And uh, it almost sounds like there's always that first that when you buck the system, it it triggers the entire line. And then one question leads to another question. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had several guests on this podcast and this keeps coming up that we identified one thing that we weren't happy with or it didn't feel right. And then that led to another and that led to another. And we don't buck the system once, right? It's it's a constant bucking the system, unfortunately. We do it several ways. We do it every time, every day. We're constantly um, trying to smash that patriarchy. Yeah, for sure. I do think the first one is like a gateway drug to the rest, right? Yes. Because once you've gone through that first buck of the system, mm-hmm. you realize that you can Mm-hmm. So the second one, at least you know a little bit of what you're in for, right? Because the first one you don't know, but because you've gone through the first one, you know you are like, okay, I can do this, I can handle it, and there's nothing like freedom. Yeah. There's nothing like empowering yourself, even if it's hard, right? And that's what I mean, like gateway drug. Like it is in a way addictive, and it gets to the point to where you can no longer live with yourself. If you deny your truth. Hey, Deep Shikai here. I just wanted to take a quick break and thank you for tuning in. I love making this podcast for you and I hope you love listening. If you do, the best way to show it is, yep, you guessed it, reviews, 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 especially on Apple Podcasts. Help us get these stories out to as many women as possible. So if you are enjoying the show, let us know. Thanks again. All right, back to the show. Oh my God. Oh, amen to that. I love that. Yes, so true. So true. And in a way, it's also hard. And, um, you know, I heard you say that you didn't even know how to dress. And I felt like that when I went in search of what my identity looks like without my kids, without my husband. And I found that, okay, if I create my business, I will find my identity. But I didn't know what it would look like because I'd never, I I had never known what it looks like. So it's almost like you're digging it, you know, you're digging the dirt and you're finding the treasure in the ground. How was, how was that for you? How were you able to finally say, oh, this is it. I've come home now. 
Mm. I honestly don't, I don't know that I'll ever arrive. I feel like that is something that is always the, the thing um, I'm trying to come back to center in because there's so many ways that we are asked to be something we're not. We're asked to shape shift in a way that doesn't fit. Mm. And we're asked to be, behave, speak, all the things. Um, and and especially like in, so I don't have kids, but I am, I have a husband. I'm like remarried happily now. Uh, and and the, the thing is, is that like, there's something about what it takes to compromise in a relationship that is really important for a successful relationship. But for, I think, a lot of women, the way in which we compromise ourselves to have what we want in life, that is where I'm like, okay, I don't want to compromise myself. Mm. But compromise in relationships in life is a pretty critical element. And so I, I think about this quite a bit, actually, of like, okay, what do I really want? What do I really need? What really matters to me? What is the Lisa part in here that I have, have to honor? right? And what doesn't matter? Because some things don't matter. And sometimes we can like make them matter. And it like also, um, this is really interesting because I have, I have a history of trauma as well. Mm -hmm. So there's certain things that I get really, like I have a hard line on, like, no, it has to be this way. And it's because I have built ways of creating safety, security, and stability in my life to keep myself um, protected. But that's also not necessarily always helpful healthy and not always really about like me being in alignment with my truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you you're saying that it's it's a constant discovering process. Um mm-hmm. what, what is your identity? Oh, that's so beautiful, Lisa. I also want to talk to you about you um your leadership coach, leadership expert for women and what is your experience been when you are coaching women on how to lead in their businesses and their workplaces? How do they show up in this finding this delicate balance between finding their identity and also aligning themselves to, let's say, their profession or, you know, um, getting a promotion or doing really, really good at their job? Do you feel like there's an imbalance? Hmm. Well, it's really interesting, right? Because leadership is an extra and we end up as leaders whether sometimes we identify as them or not, right? But if we identify as a leader and if we take on leadership responsibilities, there's certain things that come with that. Visibility, making tough decisions, leading from a place where we're grounded and centered and, and we're showing up the way we want to show up with our friends and family and in our business and in our work. Um, and I think that because of the patriarchy and because of the way that women are conditioned and socialized, leadership is extra challenging because leadership is a, it's a relationship like everything else. So then there's still that compromise, that layer of compromise that is happening. And I mean, this is why I see such an intersection between like this topic and, and my work as, as a leadership coach, Mm -hmm. because things aren't always simple. So like sometimes as leaders, we struggle with certain things, but it's like, but why is that a struggle? What is going on there? Because we are also taught that in order to get to X, Y, and Z, it has to go this way. But right now, especially, you know, I feel like our mothers led in a certain way that now allowed our generation 
to lead in a way that is different. And there isn't a guidance system for that yet. And there's not a ton of role models yet of like how to do it your way, how to do it in the way that um, embraces your femininity, um, the essence of exactly who you are, and that you can be that and be a really awesome business owner, leader, influencer in the world, and that you don't have to fit some kind of mold, right? So I really feel like right now, being a leader today is bucking the system. Like if you're a woman leader today, you are are bucking all the systems. I don't think we talk about that enough, right? No, yeah. And to some, you know, um, the the meaning of being a leader is, and, you know, the way that it's showcased in in the media and in the movies is someone who is, um, they show her as a bitch, like Devil Wears Prada. Meryl mm-hmm. Streep was shown as like this really bad boss bitch who was, who didn't care about her assistant, who was rude. Um I actually thought that she was pretty awesome. She knew she knew her boundaries well. <laughs> um, and I feel like that there's such a big mismatch in between what leadership actually means and should look like and what people think that women should be as leaders. So mm-hmm. let me ask you, what is your definition? How do you coach women? What kind of a leader they should be? So I really feel like that is um, uniquely individual for each person. And there isn't any cookie cutter answer to that, um, which is the thing that I love the most about my work is is helping a woman define for herself. Um, one of the big things that I, I work with my clients on is identifying their definition of success separate from their families and their work in the world and the way they earn money. Because once we have an I- idea of what our definition of success is, I actually had a client took her eight months to figure this out. Wow. Mm-hmm. It because it's very complex. It can be very complex. Yes. Once we know what that definition of success is for ourselves, from there, then we can have a better sense of what kind of leader we want to be, what matters to us, right? Um, I actually, I have identified I, four or five different styles or types of leadership. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see if I can remember them off the top of my head. And so, like, again, then people can also kind of pick and choose, like, I'm part this and I'm part that. Um, I did a whole podcast episode on this. Let's see. So one is the boss mare. So I take this from Equus Coaching, which is like in a herd of horses. There's always a horse at the front who leads the pack. That horse is always female. And she's called the boss mare. Mm -hmm. And so she's the one out front. She's assuming responsibility. She is the leader. And what's really cool about the boss mare is actually when she gets tired, she switches out and someone else takes the front. So I love the idea of like, you don't always, you can be the boss mare. And I feel like I have that energy, but it doesn't mean that you always have to be 100% the person at the helm, Mm -hmm. right? So cool. Um, And then there's the accidental leader, the woman who like just does something really good. And then she ends up with a leadership responsibility that she didn't necessarily ask or want and is like, oh God, I don't know how quite to do this, right? And then there is... The control freak. Yeah. That's the other one that I feel like is part me where like, like really wanting to like lead in a way of it's like really hard to kind of like let go of delegation. Mm -hmm. Um, The other, the other one is team captain. Mm -hmm. So where you're like, you are the mouthpiece for the group, whoever you're leading, you're the mouthpiece, but you are a part of the group. You don't differentiate yourself as above or somehow, you know, like you just are representing a group. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have one more in there and I can't remember what it is, but 
there's there's a lot of different ways to lead and they're all good and fine, right? I was thinking when you were talking about this that they all sound amazing and probably you can be in one leadership role in one ear and the other the other ear, right? There's no yeah. right or wrong way to yeah. be a leader. The last one I just remembered, it's the silent leader. So it's the person that like everyone trusts and goes to, and it's the person who can get shit done. Mm-hmm. But they're not necessarily saying, I'm going to take on this responsibility. I'm going to choose to be in this position of power. But they absolutely can be the thing that can move something forward because people trust them and will go to them. And uh, they honor that, right? So they're willing to speak up maybe in other situations, even though they're like a little behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I feel like this, uh, you know, everything that you've been saying, I can just recap everything in one sentence that leadership is not something which is outside of you, but it's something that you discover from inside of you. Mm, Yes. Yes. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, So Lisa, apart from being um, a wonderful leadership expert for women in business and at workplaces, you also do grief, loss, and trauma coaching for the women in the industry. Can you talk to me about why this work is so important to you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it's, and, and really like, I would say it's not quite as much coaching as it is education. Mm. Um, because like, so the small, just a small little language thing. And I know that was a huge mouthful. So, so what's really interesting about this is I was a social worker before I was a coach mm-hmm. and uh, my master's degree is in geriatrics and end of life care. Mm-hmm. So I have a master's degree specifically focused in the area of grief, loss and grief and loss. Um, and then I also like in my work, I worked in hospice and nursing homes. And then I, I worked at the VA medical center on inpatient psychiatry. So even though I'm not technically a trauma expert. I've worked with people in acute traumatic situations. Um, And so I had 10 years of experience, clinical experience, like in the field, working with people in a lot of acute situations in that way, right? And then I fall in love with the coaching industry and here I am. Um, And then I realized, it took me a little while to realize that there's a huge gap in education around grief, loss, and trauma and how it shows up for people. Mm. Uh, this is something that's actually a gap in any industry and any body of knowledge because we're really uncomfortable as a society to talk about any of this stuff. Sure. And as soon as I started to recognize, like I mentioned earlier, that I have my own trauma history, um, it took me probably three years of being in business full-time mm-hmm. to recognize that there were many aspects of entrepreneurship that were triggering my trauma. Mm. And so I wasn't having an upper limit problem. Mm. I wasn't resistant to creating change. Mm -hmm. I was literally hitting trauma triggers that would absolutely paralyze me and stop me in my tracks. And of course, part of how I was able to get to a place to where I could move through that is I did EMDR therapy, which is a very specific trauma therapy. And I was able to then do some healing work in that regard. And then after that, I started seeing the way that other women I was working with were being triggered by their trauma stuff too. Mm. And as soon as I could tell that like certain things and like how to approach client work needed to shift for better outcomes and for safety and to not actually create setbacks. And that like, I also needed that when I was working with coaches and mentors, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, we've got to be talking about this. And then it, and then I was like, 
oh my God, I need to be talking about this. I It's like I kind of forgot I had this 10 years of experience as a social worker. And then literally in the midst of COVID, this light bulb went off and I'm like, oh, I have to do this now. Yeah. I knew I wanted to talk about it and to do this education way before, but I had, because of my own history of trauma, I had so much internal resistance around being the person to be willing to say, we're going to talk about it. And a big part of it is because it's such a gray area and it's really tricky. Um, And of course, I don't want to be doing harm in education either, right? So of course, I hired the experts and got got all sorts of people um, behind the scenes to support me to make sure I'm ethical and accurate and I'm incorporating cultural considerations and like all, all the important stuff, mental health considerations as well. So yeah, thanks for asking that. It's the thing I'm super stoked about right now. Yeah. And what a time to do it. I mean, if there was any year that we needed this is this year because COVID, if anything has triggered trauma in a lot of people, Mm -hmm. Um, even the, you know, the sublime trauma that people had forgotten or had pushed away, Mm -hmm. um, even, even that. And, um, I, I feel like, Lisa, this is this is also one way to buck the system. We've talked about this before on the podcast in episode two with Dr. Valerie Rain. Um, we, we women, we all have trauma. Um, we have intergenerational trauma. We have trauma from a childhood. Mm-hmm. And we, when we grow up, we have families, when we are running businesses and, you know, sitting in board meetings, uh, we reach that point where we almost start to, um, smell cherry blossoms, uh, which is a research that was done on mice. And, um, you know, we talked about this in episode two with Dr. Valerie Rain. Um, and essentially, for people who haven't heard that episode, essentially, um, um, mice, they, they were electrocuted, their feet were electrocuted, um, and they were, um, th- there were cherry blossoms there. And generations later, the offsprings of the mice when they introduced the cherry blossoms, they had the same reaction to the cherry blossom that the that their you know grandparent grandparent mice had, mm-hmm. um, and we all have that. And um, there are times when we are told to oh just get over it, or you know this is you're being resistant to it, or you're being fearful, just get over it. And there's so many times when we just cannot get over it. Like you said, you know, we we hit a wall. It's not an upper limit problem. It's mm-hmm. it's not something that we can just get over with. It is we have to heal the trauma. There is no other way around it. And you're right. Entrepreneurship can trigger a lot of trauma. Being a parent can trigger a lot of trauma. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's really, there's so many things that can trigger trauma. And, and this is why it's so important to talk about it. And of course, I'm focusing specifically in the coaching industry, because I love the coaching industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're doing incredible, incredible work. But by not being aware, or trauma sensitive, we, we can potentially um, have some negative outcomes that we're not intending, right? We want our intention to match our impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're you're totally right. It it comes up in in so many different ways, and just simply by being aware and being educated about it, you can make small little tweaks. And the thing that is actually one of the most powerful things about doing this education is, a lot of the women that I end up have as my students realize along the way that they have their own stuff, and then they have better awareness even of their own stuff. And to me. That even helps us lead better and run our businesses better if we understand the way in which 
our stuff is being triggered, right? Like the legitimate trauma triggers. And I love the fact that you brought up the intergenerational piece because that is something that like whether a woman identifies of having trauma or a traumatic experience in this lifetime, her ancestors, our ancestors, right? And generations of women ahead of us, somewhere in that lineage, stuff has gone down, right? Um, and it may not be something that we can intellectually identify or even remember, um, but it is impacting us for sure. Yeah. And just for me, the acceptance that it's nothing that I am doing wrong that's making me resistant to doing things in my business or in my life, uh, mm-hmm. but it is my trauma. Just that awareness and that acceptance that there is nothing inherently wrong with me. Uh, because right. the question that we ask ourselves the most is, what is wrong with me? Um, right. You know, I have so many clients who would come to me and they would be like, why can't I be visible? Or why can't I create content like that person? Or why can't I do that? And most often than not, Lisa, when we talk about it and it comes up that there is an underlying trauma. Um, and it's so important for us to accept that as something that, yes, there it is there. It is something that we can heal together. And honestly, this is that's the whole purpose behind creating this podcast, that we can come together and listen to other stories and, and heal collectively, because that is so, so important in today's day and age, right? Yeah. Normalizing um, our common experiences and validating the things that we actually experience and what we bump up against and what we struggle with. That's why I'm really transparent, especially in the education I offer. I tell a lot of pretty intimate details about myself. I don't get into like intimate details of like some of the things that have happened to me. Um, But I do share quite a bit about the way in which my 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 current work and how I navigate the world, like when I get triggered and when um, I'm impacted, I want to share that because just because I run a successful business and my like everything looks great doesn't mean that I'm exempt from dealing with it too. And when it happens, I feel shattered and completely broken. And it can take a day or two or a couple hours to get back to my like badass self, you know, and it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. Like this is normal. This happens to everyone who's had a history, like has a history of trauma. Just (laughs) it is. And if we talk about that more, we feel less crazy, which is great. Oh my God. So true. And you know, we would feel like, oh, we're normal and it happens with everybody. And you're so right. I mean, we've had conversations over Facebook messenger where I would message you and I'm like, Lisa, I'm feeling like this. And this is what's going down. Um, And sometimes we had those conversations to just lift each other up as well that okay I get it you're here I can totally understand that and just having that conversation and having an ear that someone Mm -hmm. is listening to me can be so so life-changing and I feel like we need to talk about this more because oftentimes we keep our trauma in secret as well and that is when it just becomes the burden is on you Mm -hmm. And coming back to that identity that also um, almost impacts you in a way, um, I would say impact is a wrong word, but it kind of hinders you for finding that identity. Because again, the question that you keep asking yourself is, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? And there is nothing that is wrong with you. There is nothing that is wrong with us. Right. There's absolutely nothing that's wrong with us. And um, the more we feel like there is something wrong with us, the more we want to hide the parts of ourselves that 
people really need to see and hear, right? And and the parts of ourselves that liberate us to just be who we are. Um, we have uh, my my husband and I just had friends who visited, and um, these are friends that I've had the luxury of spending quite a bit of time with in the, this last month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I got to thinking about like why is it I enjoyed this so much? Well, they're the kind of friends that I literally don't feel like there's a single thing about me I need to hide or I need to hold back or I can't just be. And that's amazing because so many relationships in my life in the past, and of course, I'm kind of like getting more and more to that place where I'm just like, I don't give a fuck anymore if I'm not right or you don't like me or somehow I don't fit here, like I'm over it. But it's so amazing to feel so safe and comfortable to just be who you are. And the more we can all do that and share that with other women and we we can role model what it can look and be like um, it empowers us all to to do it and that is healing it's collective healing oh my god i love that there cannot be a perfect way to end this conversation lisa thank you so much for being here where can we find you you can find me on Instagram. I'm on, I'm Coach Coos. I'm Coach Coos on um, my Facebook page as well. My business, uh, my business page is Lisa Kuzman Leadership Expert. And then I'm just me, Lisa Kuzman on regular Facebook. Um, and then I have, I have a podcast too. It's called Serving It. Talk about that. Of course. It's called <laughs> Serving It Hot. And we, we basically, it's where I dish the deets about how to lead in today's online world. Um, and it's a spot where I really am trying to give people a lot of different options and places where they can draw from and choose like, ooh, this, this leadership thing um, or that's tactic or this way of being, oh, that works for me. I, I want to adopt that, right? Um, and where then you get to pick and choose and kind of like make your own leadership style. Um, and so that's my podcast. And then I think that's all my places. You know, it's funny being an entrepreneur, like I'm everywhere. Yeah, like so many places where we hang out. But we're going to link all of that in the show notes. And I love that because it's pretty much like how to be a woman, how to woman. You can choose what kind of a woman you want to be. You can choose how, what kind of, what version of woman you want to be. And similarly, you can choose what kind of a leader you can be. There's no one size fits all leader and there's no one size fits all woman. And that's how we're bucking the system. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much, Lisa. Tell us what your favorite takeaway was. Everyone listening, tag me on Lisa on Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And again, thank you for being on my podcast, Lisa. Yes, you're welcome. Bye. Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I've been enjoying listening to my guest stories so much and I hope you are too. We are almost at the end of the first season of Heart of Woman. Can you believe that? Oh my goodness, what a beautiful ride this has been. I have some more phenomenal stories coming up from women who are smashing the patriarchy in their own amazing ways. But I need to hear from you. I want to hear your stories too. How are you bucking the system? Or how have you smashed patriarchy? Remember, no story is big or small. Our stories have the power to inspire others. So I need a favor from you, okay? Promise me you will deliver on it. I want you to send me your stories of how you've redefined how to woman. 
send it to me on Instagram or email them to me. You will find both of them in the show notes. I am going to be dedicated an entire episode, the finale of season one of How to Woman, to your stories of courage and inspiration. So get them to me, okay? I look forward to hearing from you and I will see you in the next episode next Wednesday. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to How to Women. Back the system, live your truth. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And of course, your five-star reviews are always appreciated. Know someone who'd love this episode? Send it to them. Smashing the patriarchy takes volume and effort. Each of us counts. Thanks again, and I'll see you next Wednesday.